In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. Hello, Rebuild listeners. Coming to you after another Browns victory, I am Henry Ettinger back on the podcast once again. Browns are eight and three. Let that sink in just for a second. Browns eight and three. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 27 to 25 on Sunday and really take another step forward towards the playoffs and toward this historic season that they have been on. And we'll go through everything that led to that nail-biting victory today. I don't know about you guys, but my heart was racing, racing during that game. I, I think I've just had too many disappointments as a Browns fan where all of a sudden, you know, with a couple minutes left, it starts to sink in like, ooh, we could... There's a path for us to blow this once again. There's a path for us. There, there's a way we uh, we don't come out victorious here where we uh, we we find a way to lose, and, and we didn't do that. We did not do that. So that's that's a positive. But I think a lot of the conversation around this game was okay. Browns won, yes, but they won by two points against the one and nine. Jacksonville Jaguars. So, was this really a good game? Was this really a victory from the Browns that should be celebrated? I, I, I saw that from fellow media counterparts, from fans. Of course, there's the one side of, hey, a win's a win, right? A win is a win no matter what, and you have to take that in the NFL, no matter the circumstances. And on the other side of things, there is the, well, the Browns are past that at this point, where this team is clearly good enough to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, but what about going forward? What about when we play better teams? This isn't good enough. This can't be the standard. And so that's where you have to evaluate this game. So where do I land on that side of the debate? I'm going to say it's a good win. And the reason for that is the circumstances the circumstances with this team, they talked about it on the broadcast. The shutdown this week of the facilities with COVID. This team hasn't been able to practice consistently, not only this week, but the last several weeks. And that is makes it very difficult. It makes it difficult to install game plans. It makes it difficult to just improve, to get chemistry. The Browns have had injuries, and, they, and they're going to have to work new people into the lineup. We've seen that with the receivers, defensive backs, all of those things. Playing those positions requires communication. It requires timing. And right now, the Browns haven't been able to work on a lot of that stuff. So that's number one. Number two, you're coming off a game against the Eagles, huge playoff implications in that game. Both sides, the Browns come out victorious, bad weather, they gut through, going to you know sunny Florida on the road. Of course, the trap game 
was obvious. And I think a lot of Browns fans felt that going in. Jaguars are starting a new quarterback. You don't have the film on him. You don't know what's going to come the first couple drives. This Jacksonville team can run the football, and we saw that on display. Certainly in the game itself, Browns have a lot of injuries, COVID, all of that stuff. This had all the makings of a trap game. And despite the fact that the Browns let the Jaguars hang around, this is a game the old Browns would lose and the new Browns continue to win this season. And that's, to to me, been the biggest selling point for Kevin Stefanski is when push comes to shove, when it feels like the Browns, here we go again, the coach and the team somehow have found a way to pull out victories. And that's why they're 8-3. and You are what your record is, as as Bill Parcells said. So to me, that was an, an... an obvious trap game that the Browns were able to overcome, and they did it. They didn't mess it up. So that's number two. Number three, the injuries. Look, obviously, Miles Garrett out with COVID is one thing, and a couple other Browns players, but also Denzel Ward out, Ronnie Harrison out. This is a beat-up team a little bit on the defensive side of the football. I expected them to struggle today against Mike Glennon because, number one, as I said, new quarterback. You're not sure what you're going to see from a scheme perspective. Number two, how complex can you get when everybody's getting on the field for the first time together? I mean, the secondary, Kevin Johnson's out there. Ronnie Harrison goes down early, so Joseph's got to get back out there in the game. No Denzel Ward. Taki Taki's out with COVID. Garrett's out with COVID. Look, at the end of the day, they were able to get the victory anyway. So I think, again, they're, they're overcoming a lot. And then finally... Look, I don't want to be the guy that hates on the refs. I'm not going to be the guy that does that on this podcast. I promise you I'm not going to be that guy. But the calls at uh, at the end of the game that made this game a little bit closer than it was went against the Browns. They just did it. The replay with Kareem Hunt where he picked up the first down the first time and for some reason they didn't get it to him. I'm not sure how that spot got placed where it did. Then I think he also got it the second time. And then I thought... The worst call of them all was the Olivier Verdon call. I just, I, I don't know what you want him to do there. He comes around the edge. His other defender is going low, so he kind of pulls up and goes a little higher on Glennon in order to bring him down. But that's just, I, I don't know how you play football and how that, how a sack can turn into a personal foul penalty like that when there was nothing clearly egregious. There was no malintent. There was no really high hit where, you know, Vernon's leading with the crown of his helmet. I, I There's nothing else to say. And, and that's what I said on Twitter after the game is there's nothing to say other than that was an awful call. It went against the Browns. It cost them a touchdown. And on a day where the pass rush didn't step up like it did when Miles Garrett was out last week, they got home on the biggest play of the game. And, and unfortunately, the refs ruined it for them. So Combine all those factors, four different things, and I count this as a good win for the Browns, even though it was against the one and nine Jags and it was by only two points. Road victories like this are what playoff teams do. And this Browns team is starting to look like a playoff team, in my opinion. So that part was really exciting. Now, we're going to take a look at. The offense, we're going to take a little bit of a look at the defense, uh, and we'll we'll just touch on some stuff going forward as well. I'm going to bring you a fuller pod later in the week with a guest, but I do want to touch on a couple other things post-game reaction-wise. But 
Before we do that, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode of The Rebuild is brought to you by Bet Online. Yes, football is back in full swing. And while you might not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going to go the extra mile to make sure you can get on, in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team and player coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Whether it's that or anything else, you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division championships, championship futures, anything like that, all day, every day. Head to Bet Online and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. And just don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to let them know that you came from us. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. This podcast is also brought to you by Indeed. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. And Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to help make your search that much easier. For example, sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over three and a half million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try out Indeed with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. All right, we're back here on The Rebuild, talking Browns victory, victory Monday, 8-3 and three on the season. And for what I feel like is the third straight week in a row, the story of this game was not Baker Mayfield on the offensive side of the football. It wasn't, despite the missed throws, despite all that, and we'll get into that, trust me. The first story, again, has got to be Nick Chubb. And I'm just going to tell you this right now. I'll tease the podcast coming midweek with a guest that I already said I'm going to do. We are going to discuss if Nick Chubb is the best Browns player since 1999, since this team has returned. I'm not sure. I, I got to do some more research on it. I want to give you a full and honest answer. So I'm not going to speculate on that yet, but that's coming. And the reason why that's coming is because Chubb, again, was totally unstoppable. 19 carries, 144 yards, and a touchdown. Of course, Kareem Hunt came in too, got 62 carries, making up that two-headed monster. But Chubb, he's just playing out of his mind right now. And it's the little stuff from a running back that makes all the difference. And my friends and I were talking about this as we watched the game. Chubb turns four-yard runs into eight- to ten-yard runs with an extra cut, a broken tackle. It seems like almost every play, a little extra patience to wait for the blocks to set up. All of that, it really makes a huge difference and sometimes can be really subtle when you're watching the game. But he does all of that so, so, so well. And then on top of that, 
he turns 10-yard runs into 30-yard runs with his breakaway speed, with his ability to just shrug off defenders in the secondary. Of course, that stiff arm two weeks ago against the Eagles stands out. But Chubb has had two runs over 20 yards in, in the game yesterday. And that means he leads the NFL now with 10. He leads the NFL in runs over 20 yards despite missing four games. And the broadcast talked about this as well. He's in the top 15 in rushing despite missing four games. And he's also, he's the best running back in the NFL. Sorry, Dalvin Cook. Sorry, Alvin Kamara. It's Nick Chubb. It just is. I mean, I don't know how else you see it. He doesn't get quite the volume those guys do because of Kareem Hunt. And Nick Chubb can catch the ball out of the backfield. We saw that on one play today and they pointed it out. Kareem Hunt just ends up getting a lot of that work because he is also a fantastic pass catcher and he's going to be in third down a lot because they're trying to get him you know, in a rhythm as well. But Nick Chubb just has that much ability as any of those other guys I talked about. Christian McCaffrey, all those guys. Nick Chubb could do that too and has shown flashes of that. So, I, I look, he's getting his props, but it's deserved. He's got to be the lead story this week. I'll get to Baker right now, but... First, I just wanted to give my props to Nick Chubb. I think he's turned into the best running back in the league, and I think that's what gives the Browns a chance against anybody, including next week against the Titans, including against Baltimore, including against Pittsburgh, and whoever else we're going to face in the playoffs. We're going to go in with an extremely talented offensive player that's going to be an absolute nightmare for defensive coordinators. All right, let's talk Baker, because he's also been the subject of a lot of conversation in this game because it kind of went both ways for Baker Mayfield. There were some great highs and great lows. He ended the game 19 of 29, 258 yards, two TDs. Passer rating was 116, QBR 89. Okay, so like solid numbers, especially given the production the last couple weeks. I think a lot of that's been overblown. I saw on the NFL pregame show, they were saying, oh, the Browns don't have a chance in the playoffs. They don't have a passing game. All right, well, the Browns have played in a monsoon the last three weeks. So I, I think there's some context there for those stats that aren't being properly accounted for. That, that to me, was completely unfair to Baker Mayfield. However, there was the wide open end zone throw that Baker missed. There was the third down play to Kareem Hunt, wide open. Baker Mayfield misses that. There are those plays that are maddening from Baker Mayfield. And and that's really how I, I settle on him is I think Baker has developed this season. I think you can see it. Sometimes it's little stuff. It's the hard count. It's the way he's gotten better on his footwork rolling out of the pocket, which is why they use that so often. Rolling out to his left, of course, is something that Browns are doing all the time. The announcers bring it up every week. I'm sure Browns fans, you out there, are all aware of how Baker Mayfield is rolling to his left. But So there are those improvements that you see from Baker Mayfield. And then there's also the other side of that. The missing wide open receivers. The inconsistency in his footwork. The inconsistency in his accuracy from the pocket. And... To me, that's why I settle on that word maddening. Baker Mayfield is maddening to watch as a Browns fan because I think he's settled, you know, he's improved enough that he settled into at least a mid-tier quarterback, if not upper mid-tier right now. And that's not to say he's not going to get better. That's not to say he's not going to go beyond that. But I think Baker Mayfield has reached that point for me personally. I think 
you've seen the development where he hasn't thrown any interceptions. He's making a lot of good plays at, at the quarterback position. I think he settled there. But what's frustrating for Browns fans is, you know, there's this old trope, right, that like Baker Mayfield's Case Keenum with a stronger arm. Except that doesn't fit at all because Case Keenum is steady. He's average. And that and that's why people make that comparison. But for Baker, he's average because he's fantastic sometimes and awful other times. And, and that's the part you just can't get over. It's so frustrating that he makes these throws, the throw to Daryl Hodge on the sideline on fourth down. The tight window in his own end zone throws it to Jarvis Landry for a huge gain. He had another impeccable throw to Jarvis Landry. The touchdown throw to Jarvis Landry. Back shoulder, low. Only place Landry can go get it. Those flashes are the flashes that elite, elite quarterback show. Top five, top eight quarterbacks. Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Baker has that in him. And that's what Case Keenum doesn't have in him. He doesn't have those elite traits. He doesn't have that elite ball placement. And so that's why Baker Mayfield, I think there's so much disagreement about where he is as a quarterback is because he shows the high end so often, but then also makes these plays where you just sit there and you're like, I could make that throw. I could, and okay, I couldn't actually make that throw, but a lot of the Browns quarterbacks since 1999 could have hit wide open Richard Higgins in the end zone. A lot of Browns quarterbacks could have hit Kareem Hunt in the flat. And we didn't want any of those guys for a good reason. They weren't good enough. And so my evaluation of Baker Mayfield on this game and overall is that fifth-year option at this point, I'm sold. Pick it up. He's got the potential. Now my question is, does Baker Mayfield stay at this level? Does he stay with the inconsistency? Or can he clean up the mistakes? And I'll tell you what gives me confidence that he can. Baker Mayfield, to me, and this is an underrated story because it's a lack of story, Baker's not been in the media at all. And, yes, some of that I thought was overblown, but I thought some of it also wasn't. You know, some of it, you know, the comments on the medical staff, stuff like that. You know, you don't want to see that out of your franchise quarterback. And... As I said, I thought some of the other stories, I don't think it was always fair. So I don't want to paint a blanket over all of it, you know. But I think Baker Mayfield has shown some maturity this year. And in the press conferences, you see that with the way, he, you know, in this game, for example, he talked about how he has to be better. He left a lot of throws out there on the field. He owned that he could have been better in this game. So number one, I like to see that. That shows some maturity to me from the press conference side of things. Well, that's one side, but you'd like to see maturity on the field, too. And I think he's showing that, too. I think he's showing maturity on the field. Less turnovers. Zero interceptions again. He's not turning the ball over. He's making better decisions. He's rebounding when he makes mistakes. The Browns make a mistake. Okay, they still go out and score 27 points after not converting on that first drive for the touchdown. So that's what gives me hope. Is Baker Mayfield is starting to turn into the quarterback, not only from a traits perspective, but from a personality perspective that I see as a franchise leader for this team. I do. And he's giving me more and more confidence every week, despite some of the mistakes. Despite all that, I'm gaining confidence on Baker Mayfield, gaining it every single week that he is a franchise-level quarterback. So 
I think if you're a Browns fan out there, you have to be happy with that. He's the best quarterback they've had since Bernie Kosar. And yes, of course, that says a lot about the other quarterbacks that the Browns have had. But it's been a while since we've seen somebody who at least has the potential to really be a top-tier, elite-level quarterback. And we have that with Baker. I think there's no doubt at this point, some of the throws he's making this year with a competent head coach, Yeah, I... I have confidence. I'm getting more and more every week. I bet the over in this game, I was like, there's no way the Browns, you know, the the bad weather has totally skewed people's perception of this offense. And and the Browns came out and delivered on that once again. So this is also a huge week, you know, and I want to just touch on this real quick before we wrap up this podcast. Going to be a shorter one today. As I said, another podcast coming for you later in the week from me. Jordan Zerm's also going to deliver another podcast. So don't worry, plenty of Browns content to come. But this is another game where the Browns win and everyone else around them kind of crumbled. And that's the thing with winning football games is you give everybody else an opportunity to not come through in the way you did. And if you look at the Browns' competition those last couple weeks, the Raiders lost an awful, awful game to the Atlanta Falcons today where they weren't even close and it totally derailed them. And... You know, Baltimore continues to look worse and worse. If Baltimore loses, the Browns not only have a chance to make the playoffs, they do really do have a good chance to, to beat the five seed, especially if they can get this game against the Titans this weekend. Now, I know I've said I don't think the Browns are going to win this game. I still don't think that, to be honest. Uh, and for a couple reasons, I think, number one, you have to look at the defense, given not only the injuries, the COVID situation, even if Garrett's back, I think we've seen some of these athletes, when you take a couple weeks off, it can be hard to get back that first game. So I wouldn't be surprised if Miles Garrett doesn't have a huge first game back if he is indeed back this week. And so I just think that from a defensive perspective, they're going to struggle a little bit. I don't think they have somebody who's a great matchup for A.J. Brown, who's just been absolutely killing it. Derrick Henry, of course, is going to cause problems. So... I just don't think this is a great matchup for the Browns with where they are right now. But that's okay because they've taken care of business like we've talked about. So that's okay. But even so, I think the Browns are going to have a chance at the five seed given the fact that the Titans won this weekend and the Browns have the tiebreaker against the Colts. So, uh, you know, with the Raiders continuing to lose, and I can't stress this enough, Browns fans, I'm going to say it again. We are Pittsburgh Steelers fans when they play the Baltimore Ravens. If the Steelers beat the Ravens, there is a chance, number one, that hurts Baltimore, which is great for us because Baltimore right now has a tiebreaker against us. And number two, there's a very good chance the Steelers could be resting their players the last week of the season against the Cleveland Browns. So we we are Steelers fans as much as it pains me to say it. I can't impart that enough on Browns fans. I'm sorry. I don't want to root for the Steelers, but we should. At least it's against the Ravens. We have to root for them against somebody. So... All of this is shaping up to where the Browns have taken care of business these last couple weeks, and they still need to take care of business against the Jets. They, you know, we hope they beat the Giants, all that. But this has set them up really well to make a playoff push here in in 2020 and 2021. And look, there are not a whole lot of teams I fear out there in the AFC. Maybe the Chiefs, but outside of that, like we just talked about, and we're going to talk about for an entire other podcast Nick Chubb's going to take the field as the best player in a lot of those matchups. And that gives me great confidence that the Browns have him on one side and Miles Garrett on the other side of things. So 
That's all for this podcast. Going to wrap it up here. Just a short one, as I mentioned earlier. But Browns, 8-3. and three. It's Victory Monday, baby. Playoff chances only getting better. The team continues to have a historic start since its return to Cleveland in 1999. Browns fans, please, please, if you're listening, take a step back. Soak it in. Don't let the haters get to you. The Browns are 8-3. and three. Go Browns!